Hello, welcome to uh, Gale Boys, the podcast I come and listen to. I'm uh, joined by always as my uh, friend and co-host Liam for a little uh, bonus episode we're doing here. Yes, uh, this is uh, this is a bonus episode. Um, this kind of happened at the last minute because we both saw this film and... Um, oh my goodness. We both really knew nothing about this going into it and this movie... This is Zone of Interest, Jonathan Glazer's... <laughs> This is Jonathan Glazer's new film. Uh, this movie is the stuff of nightmares. I don't even know how to properly introduce this other than if you want to see literal hell on earth, uh, I would go to the theater and go see this right now because my god. Yeah, it's up there with uh, come and see in terms of uh, like all time uh, terrific fucking Nazi movies. I knew the subject matter going into it, but I didn't know what it was going to be like the type of movie we got. It's very voyeuristic. There's there's not a lot of close-ups. Everything's shot from a distance and like fish like lenses and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Jonathan Glazer um, wrote and directed it. He is, he's a weird director. This is only his fourth film in 23 years because uh, he, he's got to start doing Sexy Beast. Uh, the... It was weird that kind of came out in the hate in like the the absolute peak of British UK uh, gangster movies, uh, and he would have parlayed that into like a kind of a mainstream career. Uh, but then he falls that up with Birth. Have you ever seen Birth? Uh, no, that's the one film of his I haven't seen. It's creepy. Um, it's uh, about Nicole Kidman. Uh, she finds out her dead husband is reincarnated as a ten year old boy. Uh, it is as creepy as it sounds. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, not not a not the kind of movie you would think a director of sexy because if you've seen Sexy Beast, it's it's very artistic but it's a lot more streamlined, a lot more like it's nothing like he made before or after. It's got an amazing Ben Kingsley performance. I was um, dubbed as bipolar because people could not believe that a sane person could play Mahatma Gandhi and Don Logan. But yeah, he does birth and then he takes 10 years off and makes probably his most famous film, at least most people have seen, uh, Under the Skin, which was very much a, it's kind of the precursor to what this movie is going to be because that movie was shot almost, almost guerrilla style because it's just Scarlett Johansson driving around in a van, picking up dudes off the street and none of these people are actors and they like drilled cameras into the hood of this van and like filmed without permits it's a it's a strange deeply scary fucking movie uh it also has a, an actor in it and i feel so bad but he he comes in the car and he is deformed and it's not makeup like jonathan glazer found this guy and just said you're gonna be in my movie you want to do a scene with scarlett johansson there are relatively few people who have a facial deformity who seemed comfortable being on camera we sat down with adam in a room and we talked to him, Jonathan talked to him, Jim asked him some questions, Jonathan asked him some questions, and I shot it on film. And John looked back at that with uh, Walter, and they took some of that and they, they, they fed that into the script. And so a lot of that were very natural responses. Um, maybe that made Adam more comfortable with the lines, I don't know. Um, because again, he'd been on screen before, but he hadn't acted. So it's a very, very different thing. But I think a lot of it was very natural because it was essentially his own words. 
Grenzel's very good at finding a particular people to play um to play his roles. The cast and zone of interest is interesting. It's these two actors. I was reading a Guardian interview with them, and the uh, the guy who plays Rudolf Hess is like, I'm not sure I didn't want to do this, but Grazer phoned me like 10 times just begging me to do this. I had to do a self-tape um, to describe myself and to say why I did become an actor without knowing the project, without knowing the potential role, only knowing it's for a new project of Jonathan Glazer. I decided to do it in German because it felt more natural. This was the door opener to, to meet John and his longtime friend and producer Jim Wilson in a pub in London. And then John shares with me his vision, his thoughts, um, the potential role, the script and um, some rare photographs of the Hess family. And I didn't know the, the story of uh, this family, that they lived so close to the uh, camp. Um, with, with a swimming pool, with a garden. Then I had a traditional casting with my lovely colleague Sandra. And after that, um, Jonathan asked me, um, it was like a marriage proposal. Do you want to be a part of my uh, film? And I said immediately, yes, because I think I was so curious to work with him and yeah, to be a part of his vision. Because he's mostly known for like, not feel good shows, but playing like, um playing like positive characters yeah. you know sort of like um sort of like father figures he, he's which in, is probably why he um got casted in that yeah no and uh, the woman who plays the wife too is um a, someone like that as well who you she's this is like her kind of a breakout she's not really done anything i've seen but she's in anatomy of a fall this year so she's gonna be she's gonna be pretty big i feel like they're gonna be packing her into some movies in the upcoming future but yeah so this film this is his fourth film uh, it's about uh, Rudolf Haas, the the commandant of Auschwitz, and this whole movie is a slice of life drama from hell because this whole movie is really just Rudolf Haas having a picnic with his family, hanging out in the yard, and every now and then you can see in the background or hear things in the background, really implying that they're living next to fucking Auschwitz, and it's. That's really where this this movie, that's where the horror of this movie really comes in for me because I would highly recommend if you could go to the theater, go see this in a theater because the sound design of this movie, I've seen horror films that don't have half as good of sound design as this does. The five minute opening and it's just a blank screen with fucking like this, it's, it's not music, it's like this weird fucking esoteric noise. If you've ever seen Under the Skin, it's very similar to this where it's just like, noises will come out of nowhere and you've got scenes where fucking um the cameras will switch to like sepia tone yeah the fucking um like camera choices and that's insane oh yeah no that we said it's very voyeuristic there's no all of the family activities are shot from a distance there's very little cuts like and if there is a cut it's the same kind of shot and even when we go yeah. inside the house it's very um it's shot in a weird angle fisheye lenses um uh, there's like the kid's bedroom is the one that really stuck with me because it's this brilliant juxtaposition of innocence and the movie around it is just, yeah, this movie is, and that's the thing about this movie that's so haunting to me is the fact that like I'll ever, everyone I've read has compared this to the banality of evil quote that was made after um, Adolf Eichmann's trial. And that is a very good comparison because 
The thing about this movie that's so effective is the fact that Glazer could have easily done this where the wife didn't know and she's horrified when she finds out we're living next to fucking Auschwitz. But she knows what's going on and does not care. In fact, she loves reaping the rewards of it. A bunch of crows is brought in and you could tell where that came from. And the fucking wife is just like taking a pick of the latter and she picks this massive fur coat and this fucking uh, lipstick in one of the pockets. And it's just like, yeah, this this stuff came from people that just died and she's she's fucking loving this one. Oh, you don't even know if they died. That's the thing, because they confiscated all their shit. We don't know if they went straight to the gas chamber yet. And very little music in this movie too, which is like, it's all just diegetic sound design. It's either out inside, like these tiny little noises, like the feet creaking on the floorboards. But every now and then, like that's the thing, they'll be outside at a picnic. And every now and then, you'll hear a gunshot, some dogs barking, the fucking train whistling. Which the train, we brought this up, the scene that haunted us the most was the party scene. Where you can see the smokestack in the background. Yeah, this was his birthday, and him and his uh, family, his mother-in-law is round. And we'll get into that later, but like everyone's there. And it's this really, uh, like quaint fucking uh, German party. And all we see is the fucking uh, smoke from the train coming up from above the wall. Everyone knows what's going on, but yeah. they just and they just never address it. That's why this movie is so scary, because it's this entire movie is just... The thing that's so effective, why this movie works so well, is the fact that it's actually filmed on the property of Auschwitz. This is one of the few narrative films that's ever gotten approval from the Holocaust Museum to film on that. Film at the property. And the fact that, you know, when you realize they're actually filming out Auschwitz, especially at the end, where a camera just kind of walks through the fucking, what's left of the camp, you're like, oh, see, Jesus, this actually happened. Like, it just, it's this brilliant use of, of location and just the way Glazer shoots it does not, like, does not at all detract from how truly haunting it is. I think uh, Glazer, um, when he went to the uh, people who run uh, Auschwitz now as a museum, he basically said that, like, this isn't an exploitation movie. No. There's not going to be scenes of like Jewish kids running around crying and stuff. This is this is the type of movie I'm making. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I you mean, can film here. It's sure. so funny because I keep thinking, you brought up um, Michael Haneke. You brought up on your letterbox. I had to plug your letterbox. But you brought up Michael Haneke. You talk about Schindler's List and how that kind of movie kind of is an exploitation film because a lot of it it's not played for it's entirely played to pull on your emotional heartstrings with that movie the way like spielberg portrays auschwitz as literal hell on earth because that's what it fucking was where like yeah they just show people being executed children crying glazer doesn't show any of that the entire thing is and he has these little moments where like again the clothes being brought up just really make your imagination go crazy it's like what truly is going on over there? What horrible things are happening that's going on right now? If people die in this, they die off screen. We've got this scene where um, one of Force's kids is playing with like little model figures and he just hears his dad outside fucking barking orders to, uh, to his guards to, like, to drown some fucking um, like worker that was caught fucking around with apples. And yeah. it's like, yep, that's... Uh, Oh, man. That, that's the thing yeah it's just the, comparing this to other holocaust movies because i really do agree with that michael haneke yeah, comparison. Last. yeah the, the scene in shindler's last where uh, ralph fines uh shoots some guy for uh stealing a chicken is like 
That, that, that is totally different from what we get here. No, we don't even see him. We don't see the. We see it entirely from the kid's perspective. Just, Daddy, what are you doing? Why are you, you know, like, and not, but not really doing that, like, very much, like, the processing of what's happening. Because a lot of this movie, like, these characters will process. Like, the wife doesn't give a shit. She's, like, absolutely, like, I wouldn't say she's into the carnage. She just doesn't care. Like, the scene is where um, they uh, Haas announces to her, uh, I've got to go back to Berlin. The Fuhrer wants me in Berlin. And she's like, I'm not moving. I built a garden and shit. I got all these clothes. I want to be here. Fuck, fuck the Fuhrer. The difference between, like, he's serving his country and she's kind of serving herself. And that creates this weird, like... It just creates this terrifying relationship of just these two people who just do not give a fuck. Like I said, he's just, he's, like, it's so funny. He could have easily been portrayed as this, like, scary, evil guy, but he's not. He's just a boring bureaucrat who just writes paperwork, who just so happens to run a death camp. The, the most evil thing he does in this, apart from ordering the death of people, is he cheats on his wife towards the end. Oh, man. He brings in, like, um, like a Polish guy from one of the nearby villages and you don't see it you do you just see the scene where he's like going to some underground bathroom to wash his junk before he goes to bed with his wife the a massive ring of prostitution that took place during the holocaust like there was a fucking sex club in auschwitz like that was one of the things that was so crazy it's just the amount of like the amount of fucking around the nazis got to in between killing everyone is so terrifying either join the bathhouse or we'll kill you right now you get to pick and have you ever seen like um like proper exploitation stuff like salon kitty or the night poor that goes like that goes really into like the sort of sexual depravity of the nazis and uh yeah you don't you don't really see that here it's mostly just like that, yeah but it's an interesting just, just people in uniforms like trying to decide the cheapest method on how to kill people yeah but it's yeah, and just the idea that like the idea that he cheats on his wife and his wife does not take this well which is one of the funnier parts it doesn't say it's funny but it's definitely one of the more revealing parts of this movie is this this woman who's seen all of this shit just she's mad her husband's cheating on on her which is it's 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 revealing it's very revealing and then you have the uh the mother-in-law comes to stay oh, and she has like she has some sort of vague awareness of what's going on she just thinks it's a prison camp then at night time she gets up and looks at the window and sees like what actually goes on and she just fucking taps out she's like yeah fuck this shit like i i knew that my son-in-law was a bastard but i didn't know he was this fucking bad uh, a great example of like when the when the war was over and they took all of the surrounding villages to the surrounding camps and showed them this is what your government did they showed them the the, the fucking um the very famous lampshade made of human skin which is still one of the most depraved fucking scary things like that's where so much nazi exploitation came from my favorite just to go to nazi exploitation just to light it up my favorite is still the gestapo's last orgy have you ever seen that one i've heard of it it's um it's basically fucking salvable but as a as a comedy because you have scenes where like people are getting fed to rats and shit it's like uh, the scene, the scene uh, that kills me is the they basically admit they're eating the prisoners. They're doing cannibalism. Mm -hmm. Now, once they are 20, let's say, those to be uh, used are gathered and forcibly sent to the most hygienic and new-styled butchery institutes there are and transformed into cutlets, rolled roasts, and loin cuts. 
Good appetit. And then one of the women passes out, and they decide to make a dessert out of her and cognac and burn her alive. It's yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah, no, we've always wanted to do like a Nazi exploitation uh, kind of retrospective. And I think I, all the stuff we read, they are such a. It's such a fascinating like piece of history and how that whole army operated. Germany is um is always kind of been like that. Like if you if you look at Germany's overall history, it's this long unbroken streak to the Holocaust. Because you have the fucking uh, Teutonic Knights in Germany, these fucking crusader outcasts are rampaging around killing people. Yeah, you've got the fucking Prussian Empire, which is like not as like comically evil as the Nazis, but they're still pretty fucking bad. And then you have the fucking Nazis themselves. Yeah, we'll kill two million people in the space of a year, and they, they, they thought they could get away with it. But that's what's so fucking weird about it all. It's like, yeah, we'll make, um, like, entire groups of people disappear, vanish off the face of the earth, and no one's going to ask questions about it. And that's what I love about uh, going back to the film, is just the, particularly the bit of the ending there, where, um, you know, he, he goes back to fucking Berlin, and he, he, when he come when he leaves the office, he starts puking. He starts to horrifically vomit, because I think it's now hitting up what he's truly taken part in. Yeah. And he, he comes back from this, uh, this party, and he's walking around for an empty building, and he's he's looking into like um like an empty hallway that's dark, and immediately cuts to like modern day Auschwitz, oh, where there's just like yeah people going around cleaning stuff for um for tourists to come round. Cuts back to host. He's kind of seeing visions of the future. Yeah. And this is like oh so all this was pointless then. Uh, the uh, scene that gets me is when he's walking down the stairs, the last shot of the movie. Yeah. And it's just it's kind of almost him walking to hell. And then the movie just ends. It's the most no joke the best shot, a last shot I've seen in a movie in years. This cuz that's that's like one of those shots that's just it's seared into my head. Cuz you can interpret it in a lot of different ways and oh just such a such a such a black pill. This movie wasn't exactly like hopeful, but like that ending is just an extra salt on the fucking wound there. God damn. He he walks into this fucking like this like dark basement by himself. He's basically walking into hell. It reminds me of the end of uh, Angel Heart. Yeah. When fucking uh, Mickey Rourke's on the uh, elevator right to hell and pitch blackness. It's um yeah fucking just just great shot. So many uh, good shots in this. Like the fucking shot where um all the Nazis are around the table, and it just cuts to this um like top down fisheye lens, yeah. And the fucking like sound cuts out, and you, you know what they're saying, but you just don't hear it. No, uh. and it's just that's the thing that's so effective about this movie is that Glazer assumes you're going to this movie knowing what it's about, and he doesn't hold your hand at all. There's no like expository scene of explaining what we're doing. You know what they're doing, and the film. The way the film manages to make it like genuinely scary and creepy, because this is a this is very much like Glazer. I've always said is kind of the best horror director. That's not traditionally a horror director, because um, a lot of his movies have that. Under the Skin very much is a horror film. It's basically invasion of the body snatchers. Fucking end of sexy beast when um Ben Kingsley's buried underneath the uh, the swimming pool, 
and, and he's talking to the devil for some reason. Yeah, the, uh, the, that that's like that, and Birth has a lot of that. Uh, it's more like a Hanukkah horror where the like the shots are very much like atmospheric as fuck. Like you should watch Birth if you haven't seen it. It's he took a, a, a ten years off after he made it to kind of build his style, but it's a it's a creepy fucking movie. Yeah, this movie is one of the most haunting, upsetting things I have seen in years. I literally, like, ran out of my movie theater after it ended up. I need to get the fuck out of here. I can't I can't be here anymore. I don't really see it that often. It, it wasn't full, but there was a lot of people there, and there was, like, multiple walkouts, which I've never really seen before. I, I used to think that was, like, a specifically an American thing, of people tapping out during movies, but yeah, there was, like... I maybe like five to ten people walked out of this movie i i i I can see why uh for two reasons like i would have walked out not because i thought it was like artistic but it was like i just felt so uncomfortable watching this movie that was my takeaway because the sound design i was getting like scared i was like what what is this movie building to because i kept thinking of under the skin is it going to be some uh, like because the nightmare fuel here is very different from under the skin where that is just like some straight up genre body horror shit but i thought shit like that was coming throughout this again there were some walkouts in mine too but like one of them walked out like clearly ran out of the fucking movie theater just couldn't deal with it anymore like i gotta get out of here this is bad vibes i gotta get the fuck out of here this is probably the least audience-friendly movie that I've seen for a long time. And the fact that this is like, this is getting a mainstream release soon. Bro Public's going to be able to walk into this fucking movie. If, I like, want Bro Public's oh, review of this movie so bad. <laughs> oh my god, give me the fucking critical retards of review of this movie. I would fucking pay to see it. It would be the Hell most... Because that's the thing, that's what I love when like these non these clearly non-audience friendly movies because this film's kind of getting a lot of uh, awards press i doubt it will do well at the awards because it's such a hard movie to and say with like a lot of glazer's other films it's sexy beast is the closest thing he's ever made to like a mainstream movie and it's fucking weird and scary and not really a fun movie to watch it's it's very uh awkward as well like the scene at the end where fucking um ray winston is in the car with ian mcneese yeah. And fucking McNeese knows he killed uh, Kingsley, and it's just like, yeah, uh, get the fuck out before I kill you. It's uh, it's fucking great. I, 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 from uh, the three movies I've seen, I do like Glazer. It'll be interesting to see what he uh, does next after this. He'll probably take another ten years off. Because <laughs> he does it, like, he, he's done this twice. He'll literally, like, he did birth, took ten years off, did on his skin, then took another ten years off. That's what I love about Glazer, like, even though, yeah, his films aren't exactly audience or mainstream friendly he is a true artist this guy as a as a filmmaker he is like he reminds me of like what terrence malick used to be before he got into like really esoteric shit if you watched a movie from him you could tell it was from him and you just don't see that from at least you don't see that in filmmakers anymore at least not ones that like get their movies like at least put on a pedestal like this does and it's it's so just wonderful, even if the movie itself is fucking horrifying. It's one of the benefits of staying uh, like low budget director. The trap Nolan fell into with his uh, budgets became increasingly ridiculous, and he had to sort of bend the knee to studios every once in a while, like he did with uh, Dark Knight Rises. Whereas Glacier, like, yeah, all of his movies have a budget of like five million. He 
he, he, he makes movies like on his own terms yeah. and you don't really see that anymore which is why I think it's I, I, I cherish I would cherish this movie if it wasn't a movie I would never watch again I will never see this movie no, I'd, again I'd never see this again no. oh my god it's, it's, a, it's a great movie but I would never see this again no, no not in a theater yeah but it'd be interesting to see if Glazer does kind of if the if this does get some award press that he will but I mean even Tar got awards press and and Todd Fields is not coming back so I don't think Glazer mm. I think Glazer's taking another year, 10 years off I it's weird because I don't really know what Glazer does in his spare time he's not like he, he makes me think of like a Daniel Day-Lewis where he just seems to like I imagine he would be painting that'd be what I imagine he does filmmaking is uh it's like a side hustle compared to what he actually wants to do which is some like yeah painting or making shoes or some shit yeah which I uh, kind of respect but, um, yeah, so that was a uh, sort of interest, probably the most uh, fucked up film I saw for a long fucking time. Yeah, um, I, uh, it gets the Gale Boys recommendation, but with a very, very bad caveat. Because, again, this is not a... Yeah. If you... I would... Please go see this movie. This is the most black-pilled film I've seen in, in years. Like, Because this was just... Every moment of watching this made me scared. Like I had anxiety watching this, which is not something I've had for a long time watching a movie. So. Uh, that, that fucking scene where he's uh, taking his two kids swimming, and oh. Tess notices like the like the piece of human skull in the river. Oh my god! It's like yeah, time to leave. <sighs> that 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 does I mean. There's this, those moments. It's just these like wholesome family moments. And, and the the horror just keeps invading it. It's an amazingly directed film. Oh my god, just just such a yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please go see this in a theater because the sound design really is like that's what makes this movie. You could watch mm. it at home, but I don't think it has the same. It would ever have the same effect oh, no. for me because yeah. it's like you know, come and see. Like I saw that in a theater, and that hits completely differently with that large of a screen and that sound system. It, it just doesn't hit as hard at home, but uh, I would watch it if you can. Because it's, again, it's also interesting because, you know, the Holocaust happened almost 80 years ago now, and yet fucking Nazis are still running around, which is crazy to me. Like, EFD is probably going to win the next German election. This party that has fucking yep. open Nazis on it. And oh, it's just like, yep. Italy, we're, Italy's we're, doing We're going to have to do the fucking SpongeBob. Uh, how many times do we have to tell you, old man, to fucking Germany again? Uh, Jesus. Like, I respect this movie for really portraying what it... The horrors as they were in such a banal way. It's, it's amazing. But, yeah, that's a zone of interest. Yes. Dear Jesus, what a nightmare this movie is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, join us next time. It's, um, February will be our um, like Iraq war month. We have a few uh, things planned for that. Yeah, we're kind of going back into Blackpill uh, territory, everyone. Christmas is fucking <laughs> over, so uh, get comfortable. Because <laughs> it's also, we just finished Blowback Season 4, so uh, we're kind of in that mode now. But um, yeah, have fun. Please go see this movie. Keep all sharp objects away from yourselves and stay safe and stay happy. Holy fuck. I just can't think of anything good about a skull. What about pure Aryan skull shape? Even that is more usually depicted with the skin still on. Where's the Allies? Oh, you haven't been listening to Allied propaganda. Of course they're going to say we're the bad guys. But they didn't get to design our uniforms. And their symbols are all, you know, quite nice. Stars, stripes, lions, sickles. What's so good about a sickle? Well, 
nothing. And obviously, if there's one thing we've learned in the last thousand miles of retreat, is that Russian agriculture is in dire need of mechanisation. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs>